Hi, and welcome to April's edition of the EVJ podcast. I'm your host, Rhiannon Morgan. Today we're joined by Dr. Rachel Leapman discussing IgG levels in neonatal foals, and Dr. Chris Sanchez talking on the topic of the sepsis score. Dr. Rachel Leapman is currently an equine medicine resident at the Ohio State University and first author of the paper entitled Validation of IgG Cutoff Values and their association with survival in neonatal foals. Rachel will begin by telling us a little bit about the development of the foal's immune system and about the transfer of passive immunity from the dam. So the foal's immune system begins to develop in utero and at birth, foals are practically immunocompetent. Um, so along the 320 to 350 or 360 day gestation period in the mare, multiple events occur as the foal's immune system develops. And what we know is that the thymus is the first lymphoid organ to develop and lymphocytes begin to organize and become antigen responsive by about 80 days of gestation. By about 120 days of gestation, lymphocytes are in the peripheral blood and they begin to um, have response to antigens by 140 days. And by 200 days of gestation, the fetus can mount significant responses to antigens. Um, and multiple studies have suggested that functional lymphocytes, func functional T lymphocytes are present by 100 days of gestation and functional B lymphocytes by 200 days of gestation in the equine fetus. And they can actually detect immunoglobulins in the fetus um, in the peripheral circulation around 185 days. Um, and so when the foal is born, um, before they suckle, they have pretty low immunoglobulin um, concentrations, somewhere in the range of 0 to 0.1 um, to 0.2 grams per liter, um, so very low. And um, part of that is because of the placentation of the mare. So they have an epithelial chorial placentation, and this makes the in utero environment of the dam protective to the foal. And also, immunoglobulins are not transferred from the dam to the fetus. Um, but it's good because the um, fetus is not seeing a lot of antigens in utero uh, normally. And so although the foal is immunocompetent at birth, it takes about two weeks until we really can see a primary immune response to, to antigens externally. Um, and so because the foal doesn't actually get immunoglobulins in utero, they have to be ingested in the form of colostrum after birth. And the mare actually produces the colostrum in the last two to three weeks of pregnancy when the immunoglobulins come from both the mare's circulation and are produced locally in the mammary gland. And they're concentrated into about two to three liters of colostrum. Um, and what we know is that the predominant immunoglobulin in colostrum is IgG. And when the foal ingests the colostrum, the IgG is absorbed in the first 24 hours of life um, by a penocytosis in the small intestinal enterocytes. And um, we can usually measure their IgG by about 18 hours of age, and that should tell us about the quantity and quality of the colostrum that they've ingested. <clears throat> the measurement of IgG to assess the state of a foal's immunity started in the 1970s. There were several studies looking at the association between levels of IgG and survival rates. So how did they decide to define failure, partial failure, and adequate transfer of passive immunity? So, um, you know, it's interesting because they, they decided around the 70s that they should evaluate the foal's immune system by measuring IgG as one of many complex things that they could measure. Um, and this phrase of failure of passive transfer of immunity, or FTPI for short, uh, became associated with poor immune status as 
as a result of either failure to ingest the colostrum, ingestion of low quality colostrum, or other factors. And um, what they, a lot of people decided was that low IgG meant that they were more likely to develop neonatal diseases. So um, it's, it's interesting going back into the literature because there's a lot of different cutoff values that were developed that divided foals into categories based upon their level of transferred pass immunity, as you mentioned. And so um, some clinicians use less than two grams per liter as complete failure of transfer pass immunity, while others use less than four grams per liter. Um, and actually, some thought that greater than four grams per liter could be considered adequate. And it wasn't actually until um, 1984 when Brewer and Katerba published this study um, that they sort of came up with these accepted cutoff values that we think about now um, as less than four grams per liter as adequate, or I'm sorry, as uh, complete pit failure transfer pass immunity between four to eight as partial uh, FTPI and greater than eight as adequate. So, um, and they found that 87% of the septic foals that they saw um, were had an IgG that was less than eight grams per liter. Um, and so interestingly, you know, after they published this paper, there were um, several pretty large farms that had a lot of foals that um, saw that they were having much better outcomes than um, were reported in this study in 1984. And um, they were seeing better outcomes without even treating these foals with plasma or additional colostrum um, just by increasing sanitation in the environment or administering antibiotics. Um, but they still saw more neonatal disease when, when IgG concentrations were between two and three and a half grams per liter as compared to closer to four. So, um, you know, it, it's, it was very interesting going back into literature and kind of seeing how these studies use different cutoffs and were finding very different outcomes. So what were your reasons for reassessing the IgG cutoff values? So the reason we actually undertook this study was because we had um, a very large population of foals with, with a lot of this data available to us. And we realized that these studies that were done before that sort of laid out the framework for assessing foals IgG concentrations were pretty empiric and they didn't really have adequate statistical analysis to back them up. So, um, and also there seemed to be some disagreement in this primary literature about you know, which cutoffs to use. So, um, you know, also another reason to do this study was that as veterinarians in a clinic, we see a foal that comes in that has an IgG of 600 and we wonder, do we need to treat them um, to, to, you know, help them out or will they be okay? It's, it's hard to know if they otherwise seem healthy, um, but if they have a low IgG, we often will jump to treating them. So we wanted to know if that was valid. And, and what were your hypotheses? Our hypotheses were that in newborn foals, um, as we looked at stepwise IgG values of less than eight, eight grams per liter, that these would be proportionally associated with an increased odds of non-survival compared to IgG values of greater than eight grams per liter. And we also hypothesized that um, the likelihood of complete and partial FTPI could be predicted by serum protein concentrations, which is something that other researchers have looked at. Um, and we had the data, so we wanted to kind of to analyze it and see if we could use other markers to predict failure of transfer passive immunity. So could you give us an overview of your study design? 
Absolutely. So um, we had 597 foals that were seven days of age or younger, multiple breeds and both genders that actually we collected data from three equine hospitals over six foaling seasons. So we had a lot of foals um, and we used the cutoffs of traditional cutoffs that we got from the 1984 study of less than four as complete failure, um, between four and eight as partial failure and greater than eight as adequate to um, categorize these foals in terms of their um, status. And then um, we thought that um, we could categorize survivors as those that were discharged alive from the hospital while non-survivors were those that died or were euthanized due to grave prognosis. And um, we also categorized the foals by their diagnosis as healthy, sick, non-septic, or septic by sepsis score and or culture results. And so foals were actually stratified by both their IgG concentrations and their illness category of healthy, sick, non-septic, or septic. And then um, for the statistics, we basically um, just ran some regression models to predict non-survival um, and STPI and also the concentration of IgG. We ran both linear and logistic regression models for that. So did your results agree with your hypotheses? So our results were actually really interesting. Um, we, we were able to subdivide the foals into categories in different ways. So we made um, three different categories. Um, one with that was the traditional that we all think about. So less than four, between four and eight, and then um, over eight as one category or set of categories. Um, a second one that we um, basically um, made a set of ranges and subdivided the IgG into two gram per liter intervals from starting at 0.1 grams per liter and going to eight grams per liter. And um, the third set of categories that we, that we came up with was we did that same um, two gram per liter interval, but we went actually up to 12 grams per liter. So we had a separate category that was between eight and 12 grams per liter. And um, we were able to see that the odds of non-survival um, definitely um, changed as we, you know, as, as we got greater than eight, um, foals had a definite benefit um, and the odds of non-survival decreased. Um, what was interesting is that we compared, um, say, the range between six and eight and eight and 12, just to see if, you know, those foals that come in that have an IgG of 700, if, if their odds of non-survival are higher than foals that come in with a an IgG of 850. Um, and what we found is that, in fact, um, there, there was a difference. So, um, you know, that was, that was valuable to us in, in that, as clinicians, we can say that a foal that comes in with an IgG of less than eight should be treated with immunotherapy. Um, but when we looked at, you know, if a foal came in with an IgG of eight grams per liter versus a foal that came in with uh, um, an IgG of 15 grams per liter, um, the odds of survival were not different for those foals. Um, and, and we also, you know, we validated this, this traditional cutoff range that we think about. Um, and as long as the foal was, had an IgG of greater than eight grams per liter, then their risk of non-survival was, was, um, was not high. So, um, so it, is, it is actually a good cutoff. Um, and then the other thing we found with the protein um, wasn't really as profound, but um, we did find that 
the likelihood of complete and partial FTPI increased with increases in albumin concentration, but actually decreased with elevated total protein. Um, and the reason that we you know, think that is true is um, that patients with higher albumin typically are hemoconcentrated and they have more severe systemic compromise. And these are the ones that have various degrees of FTPI for some reason. So maybe they were sick and they didn't suckle or they were sick and they used up the IgG that they ingested. Um, and however, the total protein, when it was elevated, the risk of FTPI actually decreased. And this is also probably likely due to the globulin fraction, which we didn't have that data for all of our foals, but um, since the total protein that we measure is mostly composed of albumin and globulin, um, and a large proportion in a neonate of the globulin is, is what they ingested in the, in the colostrum, um, it makes sense that a higher total protein would be better for overall survival. Okay, so would this change the recommendations of treatment in your hospital, or have you kept the same standard of practice? Um, I mean, for me, uh, it, it makes me able to feel like I can recommend to a clinician that has a quantitative IgG value, um, you know, what to do more, more certainly. I have, um, you know, I have data to say that if they have an IgG of less than eight grams per liter, that they should probably be treated with immunotherapy. Um, and, and certainly, you know, there's limitations to doing that and you have to take the whole case into consideration. But um, I think that it's, it's a valuable study in that we now have some more data to back up our recommendations. Okay, Rachel, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. Our next guest is Dr. Chris Sanchez an Associate Professor of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Florida, with a keen interest in the critical care of equine neonates. Chris is first author of the paper entitled Re-evaluation of the Sepsis Score in Equine Neonates. Chris, you have a study currently published in the Early View section on EVJ Online, re-evaluating the sepsis score in equine neonates. Um, could you start by giving us a brief introduction to neonatal sepsis? and outline the reasons that foals are so prone to suffering from this condition. Sure. So um, sepsis in foals is probably the most important cause of morbidity and mortality in, in equine neonates worldwide. And foals are, are one of the species that get, um, there's a variety of reasons why they get predisposed for sepsis. Uh, one can be failure of passive transfer of immunity, um, which they get from suckling colostrum from the mare and if there's any problem that whereby the foal isn't able to suckle quickly that puts them at a higher risk for getting sepsis and then other other things that can lead to sepsis or like again any any other disease will put them at a higher risk not suckling from the mare environmental conditions that might be unsanitary or, or one condition, but that's probably less important. And then um, problems during udder seeking. So the, the kind of the hind end of the mare is there's a lot of bacteria there. And when foals are, are, are going around the, the back end of the mare and, and ingesting bacteria, that can, the GI tract of the horse, so the gastrointestinal tract is one of the ways by which bacteria can gain entry into the blood of foals. And, and those are probably most important reasons why foals can get septic. Uh, the umbilicus or the respiratory tract are, are also potential um, roots of sepsis, but the GI tract is, is likely the most important one worldwide. 
Okay, so you'd use a sepsis score to evaluate whether or not the foal or the neonate has sepsis. What kind of factors are you looking at? Right, so the, the overall goal of the sepsis score, and the original one was developed back in the, the 80s um, here in Florida by um, Barb Brewer and who's now Barb Welsh and Ann Katerba. And the the whole goal of, of the sepsis score is one for to make people more aware of kind of the factors associated with sepsis. And because withholding antibiotics from a, a septic foal can have potentially devastating impact long-term, the biggest one being if bacteria in the bloodstream land in a joint, um, a joint infection can really have a, a devastating impact for lameness and performance um, down the line. So one of the things for the sepsis score is to have a, an easy way to make people more aware of when a foal is likely to be septic. And so that's the overall goal of, of the sepsis scoring system. The reason we reevaluated the sepsis scoring system is that um, when uh, people outside of Florida had looked at the sepsis score, its accuracy or sensitivity and specificity had decreased relative to the initial reports, um, which were, were pretty promising in the you know 95 to 85% sensitivity and specificity respectively. Um, when other people had looked at it, that uh, those numbers had dropped into the 60s and 70s respectively. And so the goal of this paper was to take a, another look at the sepsis score kind of over time at the University of Florida, so it was kind of in the same geographical location as the original report to see if either time or um, geography kind of played a bigger role in why the scoring system that was initially um, pretty accurate had lost accuracy essentially um, over time. Okay, so the other um, hospitals that were looking at um, analyzing the sepsis score, were they in different geographical locations? Yes, and so it's been um, evaluated in uh, the 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 one report was in uh, in Virginia, but some other places in the UK and, and other uh, locations around the world have also looked at it in in a variety of different ways. The one we cited was um, was also in the US, but just not in Florida. What was the um, study design for this study? So we did a retrospective study looking at all um, cases that had been logged into a database um, of foals two weeks of age or less. And we went from 1982 to, uh, to 2008. And so over that period of time, we had a, a total of just over 1,000 foals, so 1,065 foals that we included in the study, whereby we had enough information logged into our database to be able to retrospectively look back at the, the sepsis scoring system. And so from that database, we, we logged a variety of different factors. So um, blood work, so CBC chemistry at the time of admission, physical exam parameters, so vital signs, temperature, pulse, respiratory rate, um, what year they presented, and then um, signalman information, so sex, breed, um, and uh, age at time of, of presentation, and then also some other historical factors that were, um, again, using the, the modified sepsis score so that we're having the, the same methodology. And so we, we reported all that stuff into a database and then looked at whether or not um, the foals were septic, again, based upon the original definition used in that report. And that was either 
that they had a positive blood culture. So that's bacteria that we were able to grow out of a blood, blood taken sterilely from the foals, um, whether they had a clinical course consistent with sepsis. So um, multiple sites of infection that were um, confirmed, or if the foals that were non-survivors had post-mortem evidence of um, disseminated infection throughout the body. And so that those were how foals were determined as being septic. And then the other thing we looked at was um, outcome. And that was just whether or not the foals uh, survived to discharge from the, the hospital. And, um, and from that, we looked at the sensitivity. And for each of the foals, we obviously calculated the, the sepsis score, which that scoring system looks at most of the things we log. So the CBC parameter, so it looks at the neutrophil count and, and kind of the character of the different types of white blood cells, whether or not they had signs of toxicity. It looks at temperature, you know, um, it looks at IgG. So if the foal had enough um, antibodies absorbed at the time of presentation, and then a variety of other uh, clinical parameters. And, and one of the things that puts the sepsis score kind of ahead of some of the computer models, including the one we generated, is that it, it actually includes localizing signs of infection as um, one of the things for which the foals get points in the, the sepsis scoring system. And so that's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in that that's kind of one of the definitions of sepsis, but also included in the score. But to, to hold to the original sepsis scoring system, like I said, that's what we used. So we calculated a, the sepsis score for each foal and then looked at um, sensitivity, specificity, and then also the positive and negative predictive values. Um, and we looked at each score from uh, greater than zero to greater than 18 in the scoring system and looked at the sensitivity, specificity, positive and negative predictive value for um, each of those different cut points. And for the, um, we had an overall prevalence of, of sepsis of 60, um, right at 60% in the population we studied. So that was the, the prevalence value used for the, the positive and negative predictive values. And kind of the, the end point of what we got to was that, um, again, we had an overall prevalence of about, of sepsis of about 60% um, percent in, the, in the, the population that we had. And when we looked at the, the previous cut point of 11 that had been used, um, suggested previously that only had a sensitivity of, of 56% uh, with a specificity of 73%. And, and we showed that um, a cut point of seven uh, or greater had uh, the best um, sensitivity and specificity of um, 84% uh, sensitivity with a, a relatively low specificity of 41%. But with positive and negative predictive values in the, the upper 60%, so 69 and 62% respectively. And when when you're thinking about sepsis in foals, it, it's more important to identify, specificity is more important because if you fail to identify a foal that's septic and don't treat it appropriately, withholding antibiotics likely has a bigger risk to the foal than if you identify a foal that's likely to be septic and it turns out not to be, giving antibiotics to that foal likely has less potential detriment to that individual. So that's why uh, higher sensitivity, 
sensitivity and lower specificity is likely um, more appropriate given this particular set of parameters. And, and what were you using for your control foals? Were these cases um, admitted into the hospital or outside cases? All, all of the foals were admitted to the hospital, and so the um, there were foals that for, came in for a variety of other um, conditions, whether they um, probably the most likely non-septic conditions would be foals that had like angular limb deformities, so that were either contracted or um, or whatnot that were systemically healthy, but and uh, but admitted to the hospital. Also, foals that um, whose mares presented for colic or whatnot. So the foals themselves were healthy, but the mares might have been patients, and they had um, all of the various parameters. So all of the foals were admitted to the hospitals. It's a similar, um, you know, the septic foals and the controls all were hospitalized at the at the within that time period so that they were kind of a more appropriate control group versus um, did not come into the hospital during that period. So were you happy with the overall diagnostic performance of the sepsis score? It's a great question. And I think the, you know, the overall, the overall diagnostic performance um, is, is not fantastic. And so the, 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 the sepsis score, um, Overall, characterized 68% um, of the cases correctly, and so that's that's not particularly fantastic. And the various computer models that have been generated, including one that we use in this um, in this paper, only characterized about 62% of the cases correctly. So the the sepsis score, I think, for now is probably the the most accurate thing we have. Is it the best way to tell a full that a foal is septic? Probably not. And, you know, I, I think that regardless of what scoring system we have out there, clinical intuition and whether or not a foal looks septic is probably just about as accurate as, as anything else. Um, I think one of the best things that the sepsis scoring system can do is remind people, especially new graduates or people just entering practice or, or horse owners, the clinical um, features of a foal that are likely to make it septic and also the laboratory data that are likely to make a foal septic. And I think kind of a reminding oneself of those things is likely the, the most important thing. I think there's not any scoring systems that's going to be 100% accurate to say whether whether or not a foal is going to be septic. And, and kind of in the human literature, it's been the, the same way where there's very clear diagnostic criteria for um, SIRS or the systemic inflammatory response syndrome. Um, but whether or not uh, patient looks septic is is still used kind of in the, the human field as well, and so whether we kind of get away from scoring systems for sepsis and use them more specifically for systemic inflammation, uh, or whether we just use the system kind of from a research perspective, I think that's where the system has been used the most. And when we look at either long-term performance of septic foals or um, factors associated with prognosis and whatnot. I think those things are, you know, we need to give a number um, so that we kind of know whether different populations are, are similar. That's probably where the sepsis score has the most utility, but there's clearly not a perfect system that can tell you definitively whether or not a foal is going to be septic. So would you advise the ambulatory practitioner to try to use the modified sepsis score or just try and keep it in mind? 
I think it's probably better to, to keep it in mind. I think one of the problems for um, ambulatory practitioners with the sepsis scoring system is that it's you can't get all of the data back within the time period of an ambulatory visit because some of the information needed to calculate a score is looking at um, white blood cell differential and actually looking at a smear to see whether neutrophil toxicity is present or not. And that's just that limitation in and of itself really reduces the practicality of this scoring system in ambulatory practice because, you know, it's just not practical to make a blood smear in the field. And so I think from an ambulatory perspective, paying attention to the clinical findings and, um, and if you happen to have, um, blood monitoring system on, on your truck or, or quickly available, that can certainly be just be aware of the clinical features associated with sepsis. So mucous membranes, diarrhea, either a high or low um, body temperature. I think th those things are, are likely to be the, the best cues to alert the practitioner to a, a, a septic full in the field. Also, any full that's kind of lethargic or not suckling. Okay, and do you have any further investigation planned into the sepsis score and reevaluating it? I think kind of our um, our overall goal is to look at um, at factors associated with survival and performance, and 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 we do have plan to to retrospectively look at some other factors and see how if we can um, find other other factors associated with survival. So that's kind of our, our ongoing work is to see how we can do a better job and, and save more foals and, and hopefully more work will be coming down the line for, both with sepsis and other disease processes in the within the neonatal period. Did you find that it was performing better or worse than you originally thought? It performs worse than than the original paper. One of the things we also did was we looked at the comparison of the sepsis score over time, and it, in the population we had, which was substantially larger than the original report, there was not an effect of time. So looking at the decades of the 80s, mm. 90s versus 2000s, there was not an effect of time on the performance of the test. And so I think probably the biggest difference between our data and the original data were numbers. And we just had a lot more foals in our study than the original report of the sepsis score. And so I think it was likely a factor of um, just getting a bigger sample size versus the smaller sample size that they had originally. Okay, well, thank you for your time today and thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed April's EVJ podcast.